Welcome to the Beyond Devices podcast. My name is Jan Dawson and with me is Aaron Miller. Uh, This is our question of the week episode for this week. Uh, We'll have a news roundup episode later in the week as we usually do as well. Uh, And this week's question is, has the death of retail been exaggerated? Or in other words, what's the state of retail? We've seen a lot of different articles recently arguing that there's some sort of apocalypse going on in retail. And yet, on the other hand, you have stories about uh, Apple, for example, or T-Mobile building new stores and really investing in retail and trying to grow that part of their business. So there's sort of mixed messages out there at the moment. So that's really what we want to dive into uh, today. Before we get into that, uh, just a couple of things. We're in earnings season now, so uh, earnings are almost certainly going to be part of what we discuss in the news roundup on Friday, uh, and uh, lots of coverage of that on Tech Narratives already this week. If you uh, have particular pieces from Tech Narratives or particular news items you want us to cover in the news roundup, you can always ping us on Twitter or via email. You'll find ways to get hold of us in the show notes and on the website. Uh, So feel free to suggest pieces you'd like us to cover in that News Roundup episode, and we can take that into account as we uh, compile the roster of stories that we'll cover. Um, And then lastly, um, as I say, this is our question of the week episode. Uh, I've handled the last few of these either on my own or with guests, but uh, this will actually be Aaron answering the questions today. So it's good to have Aaron doing one of these again. He's had a busy few weeks as he wrapped up the... uh, semester at school but uh, he's now got a little more time on his hands so he's been looking into this topic of retail and what's going on in retail and these disparate trends that we're seeing so he's going to be answering these questions today so Aaron why don't you start out by giving us some context for this discussion what's been going on in retail what are sort of trends and so on Sure. Well, I, I mean, the reason that the death of retail is so widely reported is because there has been some prominent deaths <laughs> in right. the last 10 years. I mean, it's been physical retail in the U.S. has been in a pretty steady decline for a while. Um, I think it, it started roughly with large consumer electronics uh, uh, re- retailers like Circuit City that very famously went out of business years ago. Um, it spread also to bookstores like Borders. Um, moved on from there to department stores like Sears and Kmart. Um, J.C. Penney has struggled. Um, the, obviously, the overwhelming market force in all of this has been online shopping, uh, and really, truthfully, specifically Amazon, although online retail isn't, isn't wholly owned by Amazon. It's dominated by Amazon, which we all know pretty well. During this time, though, in the last 10 years, there have been a few notable outliers. Apple stores are probably the most prominent example they have the highest sales per square foot of any retail chain. In fact, they sell over $4,500 a year per square foot. Uh, if you look at the rest of that list, as reported by Forbes or others, um, the rest of the stores in that top 10 list consist primarily of luxury fashion and jewelry brands and uh, like Tiffany or Coach. And so they're, you know, so, so the Apple stores have somehow, have somehow been a huge, huge success while it, while their competition, their competing stores have been in decline. Um, but another interesting thing is that grocery stores have been highly resilient against e-commerce. Um, Amazon's been going after grocery for years now, and they can't seem to get that going. Uh, there have been some really notable and prominent failures in the grocery space, um, trying to move grocery purchases online, but none of it seems to stick. 
Um, that's that's sort of the context we've been in. But the truth is, all of these articles focusing on the death of retail don't pay attention to some really interesting things uh, in the ways that retail is changing. Um, what we're seeing more and more now is that new ideas are being piloted in the retail space, um, <clears throat> and they're they're the. They, Technology is influencing this, obviously, in a really important way, two important ways, really. One set is changing the way consumers buy technology at retail, but then the other set of innovations have to do with the way technology is changing what consumers buy um, outside of consumer tech. And, uh, and, and I think the, the way you can kind of, I think one of the most useful and interesting lenses we can take for looking at the way retail is changing is is uh, Clayton Christensen's jobs to be done uh, uh, innovation strategy. So uh, hopefully our listeners are somewhat familiar with that already, but uh, it might be worth you kind of explaining just briefly kind of what jobs to be done is, but then kind of how, how does that apply to retail and how should we be thinking about the jobs that people hire retail to do? Sure. So jobs to be done is essentially a business slash innovation strategy that focuses on helping customers do what they need done. Every every time you buy a product, you're essentially hiring the company that made the product to do a job for you. So I buy a car to get me around. I buy a jacket to keep me warm and dry. The, the getting around and the staying warm and dry are jobs that need to be done. And so when I buy a product, another way to think about it is I'm hiring the maker of that product to do this job for me. Uh, the appeal of this perspective is that when you focus on jobs to be done, you don't get distracted by things like demographic patterns um, or, or other things that retailers actually spend a lot of time focusing on. Um, we, you know, these are the sort of things that get retailers to, to, to miss the forest for the trees. And the nice thing about jobs to be done as a perspective is it keeps your focus on exactly why the, the customer is there buying the thing in that moment. Um, you know, physical retail is part of what companies offer in helping customers get jobs done. Um, when you go buy something at a store rather than online, there's a that's part of the job to be done for you is is that the physical store is offering is is helping you do the job better than having to buy it online. So part of the job to be done, for example, might be that you need it in a hurry, whatever it is that you're buying, and or or you want to see it in person um, before you buy so you can evaluate how well it'll do the job for you. This is all, this all fits in with the jobs to be done uh, uh, perspective. A blogger named Hutch Carpenter five years ago actually applied this idea to retail, and he came up with four basic jobs that span pretty much all, all aspects of retail. One is low price. We, wanna, we want things to be as inexpensive as possible. Another is selection, meaning that you have a lot of choices of products to choose from. Uh, the third is immediacy, uh, obviously being able to walk out of the store with the thing you bought instead of having to wait for it to ship to your home. And then the fourth one is getting help because some products require help from the, the producer, the, the, the retailer, whoever, so that you can use the product in the way that helps you do the job you need done. Um, the reason e-commerce wiped out so much retail uh, seems obviously tied to uh, mostly to cheaper prices, but that doesn't tell the whole story. And I think looking at it from a jobs to be done perspective, it gives you a much better sense of why e-commerce was so was so dominant over the last decade. Um, because we need to think about it in terms of the jobs e-commerce did that physical retail couldn't. 
Um, price is, is one of the obvious ones, but also selection. You know, you can go on Amazon and find thousands of, of instances of a product um, versus maybe the three or four that you might encounter on the shelf in a store. It also dominated in curation because you get product reviews online that you don't get in the store. And I think that's one of the things about e-commerce that's sort of undervalued. Um, even though the truth is, if any of us goes to Best Buy and you're and, and we're looking at a product, we're checking online to see how many stars that product gets on Amazon. Um, obviously, with Amazon Prime, uh, uh, Amazon went after the immediacy problem by getting you to essentially subscribe for two-day shipping rather than paying a shipping charge for each order. And and so where immediacy has been the space that physical retail dominated for so long, uh, uh, shipping infrastructure has changed so dramatically over the last 10 years that it's less of a problem. And most of us are willing to wait two days for a lot of our purchases to show up. And Amazon with Prime pioneered on how to get out the customer pain of paying for shipping each time we order something. We like paying for shipping all in one chunk each year rather than paying for it individually with each purchase. And these are all examples of jobs to be done in this process of e-commerce um, eating away at retail. Um, that said, it seems like most of the easy e-commerce advantages have now been fully realized. Um, put another way, the low-hanging fruit has all been harvested. And so I think what we're seeing now in retail is a new perspective. And the, because e-commerce is sort of maxed out the obvious advantages, the new question that a lot of firms seem to be asking is, what can physical retail do that e-commerce can't? Essentially flipping it on its head and saying, okay, e-commerce dominated in these jobs to be done. Now, in what areas can physical retail dominate e-commerce in specific jobs to be done? So have you come up with a list of things that you think physical retail can do better than e-commerce? Because we've heard a lot of talk about that over the last few years, but it doesn't feel like a lot of retailers have really cracked that nut in terms of actually providing a, a physical retail experience that somehow draws people back into stores. Most of the trend seems to be in the other way. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think part of it is because they're still experimenting and trying to understand the jobs that consumers need done in retail. Um, I, there are four where I think a physical retail is better or can be better than an e-commerce purchase. Um, the first one is in-person help. Uh, and, and this is actually one of the most obvious ones. Um, it's the reason T-Mobile last year announced they're opening hundreds of stores um, of new stores. It, it, it has to do with the fact that T-Mobile recognizes that when people buy a cell phone, you know, they need to help, you know, grandma get her pictures from her old phone onto her new phone. And that's a that's an important part of the customer experience for any mobile provider is helping this helping this transition transition from one smartphone to the next one. And, uh, and, and it's been working pretty well for T-Mobile, and they seem to be pretty committed to that strategy. Obviously, this is why Apple stores have, have, have been so effective and important. Um, and, in fact, this is why they're now expanding. And so over the weekend, uh, Angela Arendt did some interviews, uh, 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 one with CBS, and, and, and basically announced that Apple's rolling out a new, a new initiative called Today at Apple, 
And the idea is that Apple's going to go way past the genius bar where you can show up with your broken computer and get help. But And they've always done like little workshops here and there. So you could show up and get a class on Final Cut Pro or or your kids could go get go through a week-long, you know, coding boot camp. The idea is to essentially take these these smaller workshop type experiences and make them a daily experience at Apple. And they're building spaces and creative spaces and and teaching spaces for this to be happening in 100 of their stores out of the 350 or so or whatever it is right now. Um, that's taking the idea of in-person help <clears throat> and expanding it way past the uh, um, way past the sort of genius bar. Just I need help fixing my broken phone, sort of a thing. And, and the truth is, <clears throat> like I said, this has been around for a while. Microsoft stores got something of a bad rap for not being as busy as Apple stores, but there are a lot of people who really appreciate their the Microsoft stores. There are a hundred of them around the country and a lot of people really value a chance to go in and get in-person help. Um, obviously this in-person help job to be done only works for products where consumers actually need help. And so that's right. not so much a thing for, you know, uh, for clothing for, uh, or other apparel like sports apparel. It's not a thing for grocery. So, so that's not a, that's not a thing in retail that, that, uh, that every brand can take advantage of. Um, another thing that's been around for a long time is sh is showrooming, and this is this is a word for when people go into a store so they can experience a product in person. Um, showrooming actually was a huge problem for the electronic retailers uh, back when Amazon was 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 growing really quickly because people would show up to Circuit City or to or to uh, Best Buy to sort of look at a product, maybe compare models of television. And then they would decide on the one they like, and then they would go home and buy it online. Um, showrooming has a ton of value as long as you can capture the sales um, of people coming in to experience the product rather than just, you know, being a showroom for some, some other retailer. Um, this is arguably where one of the most, this is arguably one of the most important innovations for Apple. Um, Apple has always managed pricing for their products pretty tightly. And so you weren't, you didn't have a really great chance of finding the same laptop or 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 iPad somewhere else for all that much cheaper. Um, but they also took showrooming to a whole new level. I think that encouraged purchasing there on the spot in the store um, because the Apple stores let you show up from the start and do almost whatever you wanted with a product. You could install software on a laptop so you could test it out. I mean, they took showrooming to a whole new level. Um, that now a lot of other brands have adopted. Um, there are some new ideas being tested in showrooming. So in sports apparel, for example, Nike, Under Armour, and Adidas are all now experimenting with retail locations that have indoor play spaces for people to try out products. So the idea is you, there's actually like an indoor basketball court at some of these flagship retail spots for Nike and Adidas. So you can go in and put on a pair of these basketball shoes and actually like play a game of one-on-one. -on -one. There are indoor like soccer um, places so you can, you know, practice um, your penalty kicks with the new cleats that you're trying out. And, and so these are the so these are now being this idea of showrooming is now being tested by by athletic apparel brands. Um, Amazon supposedly is experimenting with augmented rea reality features for buying furniture and appliances. 
And so the idea would be that you could go in, see the furniture appliance in person, and then use augmented reality, taking pictures of your home space, and then you could be there with the salesperson sort of modeling what that refrigerator would look like in your kitchen or what that couch would look like in your, in your living room. So, so there are new efforts being tested in the showrooming space, taking advantage of technology even for non-tech purchases. Um, another, another job to be done is customization. Uh, there, now that uh, a lot of manufacturing processes are being reduced down to the place that it can even be done in store, um, the idea is that you might be able to show up to a retail space, have your foot measured. Adidas is experimenting with this right now. They're selling a 3D printed shoe. Well, the idea would be that you can go into a store and have your foot scanned and have the shoe printed to the exact dimensions to fit your foot. And so you walk out with a custom fit pair of Adidas shoes that were 3D printed in the store. And the old fashioned version of this is now being tested by Coach in one of their big stores where you can go up to the second floor and, and watch these, these handbag artisans make a customized handbag for you. Um, which obviously I think adds a ton of value for a purchase like that because coach handbags are are um, are prized and uh, the idea that one would be unique to you is really appealing. Um, there's a blend of all this kind of stuff being tested right now that's called omnichannel. And the idea is that shopping starts online. The person, you know, the customer goes to your website, kind of starts to identify the things that they're interested in. This this is being tested in apparel right now, for example. So you go to you go to the clothing store's website and you sort of spot the things you're interested in. You move to the retail location and these things are ready for you to try on, you know, the shirts or pants or whatever ready for you to try on. And while you're there, it can actually, you know, use RFID and other smart technology features to, to keep track of your wish list, figure out what you like and you didn't like. Um, and then the whole purchasing experience wraps up either with an in-store purchase where you walk away with this stuff or at-home delivery because maybe the they didn't have the size you wanted and so they ship it to your house. Um, you know, there's a lot of technology baked into the omnichannel approach. Um, and, and obviously the hope is that this can be a best of both worlds kind of, re, kind of re experience for customers, that they can get everything they like about online and get everything they like about physical retail in one experience. Um, yeah, that, these, are, these, are the, these are four examples of jobs to be done that, uh, you know, that are being tested right now in these new retail initiatives. So they all sound good in principle. Are there any kind of problems with these approaches? I mean, it seems to me that some of these things are already being eroded by some of what's been done online as well. So things that used to be kind of unique benefits to physical retail, they're starting to be online versions of them, whether they're using augmented or virtual reality or something else to kind of recreate some of those physical experiences or whether they're just kind of replacing it with something even better. Yeah, and and I think the problems are the reason that none of these experience these experiments have 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 blown up and gotten big and successful. Um, one that's interesting is that it, it hands down one of the best things about retail is that it, is that it solves the immediacy problem far better than online does. Um, you know, Amazon has been working more and more to try to get same day delivery for stuff, and yet that's still hard. And there's still the vast majority of Amazon customers who have to wait at least two days to get whatever it is that they're, or one day if you pay for the you know the expensive shipping. But there's a wait, 
and that's not a problem if you're willing to drive to the store. Um, uh, what's interesting is some of these strategies actually can make the immediacy thing, imme immediacy advantage of retail worse. And so customization is an example of that. You could go into an Adidas store and have your foot measured and get a custom pair of shoes printed out, but you're going to have to come back three hours later when they're ready for you. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that actually diminishes the value of having that experience. And so um, Omnichannel actually also has that problem because customers may go online and find products that they like, and then they go to the retail store and find that it's not there in their size or whatever because online there's a much wider range typically of products to choose from than in the physical retail space. And so the store gives this false invitation of immediacy, a false promise of immediacy that then it, it doesn't follow through on. So that's one of the problems is that a lot of these strategies are, are, are actually hurting some of the advantages that make people prefer retail. Um, another one is that these are all so far primarily limited to high-end flagship type experiences. You know, the ones I was talking about with Nike, Under Armour, and Adidas, these are all things that they're testing in New York City and flagship stores. Um, and that's not a scalable thing. This is like that sort of an idea is going to be really hard to nationalize, um, especially as you move away from really population dense urban areas. And so it's not clear that these experiments are going to work simply because they're going to be too hard to scale uh, nationwide. Uh, and then the third problem that I think is a really big one that a lot of people overlook when they get enthusiastic about these experiments is that a lot of these experiments thus far are limited to single brands. And uh, retailers get enamored by all these strategies because they love the idea of building brand experiences. They love the idea of getting people to love Nike, um, you know, to... to, to uh, to love Samsung, to, to love whatever brand is, is trying to do this sort of a thing. And that level of brand loyalty is pretty rare. Most people actually like having brand options at retail. I think that's why Best Buy is able to hold on, um, is because you can show up and try out televisions from LG and from Samsung and from Sony, and you can look at all these different televisions in one place. And so the idea is that Sony, if they try to do their own, and they have before, without a ton of success, you know, you're not going to show up to just a Sony store or just an LG store. Instead, you're going to, you know, you'd rather go to a store where you can look at multiple brands at once. And, and the problem is, is brands are the ones that are leading the experimentation and all these new ideas. But then, I mean, Nike's not going to be selling Adidas shoes in their Nike store. And when it's limited to single brands, it limits the appeal to customers. Um, so, and I think that actually enhances the likelihood of this being a showrooming without a purchase kind of experience. So, you know, I, I think to, to summarize and wrap up, because we're about at that point, I, I would say, you know, very clearly retail's not dead, but it needs to change to avoid a future death. And, uh, the next wave right now in retail is experimentation. Executives appear to not be afraid of retail anymore the way that they were before. I think there was a stretch there where, where everything had to be online and online was, was the dominant approach. Well, building an online purchasing experience isn't the hardest thing in the world. And now everybody's done it. And, uh, and obviously now the problem is just stickiness and, and Amazon has that in spades when others don't. Um, I think the next 
I think that the and so right now execs are saying, okay, wait a minute, let's turn our eyes back to retail and let's try to to create a best of both worlds experience for our customers where we have this omnichannel online retail mix. Um, and I think they all see it as a potential unique advantage. And that's why, but I but emphasizing the word potential. And that's why there's so much experimentation going on in this space. Even Apple is 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 doing new experimentation. This uh, this today at Apple Endeavor and the 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 um, the um, renovation of these hundred stores is driven by the idea. And Angela Aaron said this in in her interview over the weekend. The idea is that they is that Apple wants their stores to be more like community centers. They want it to be a place where you can go hang out. In fact, she compared it uh, she compared it to hanging out at Starbucks, which I thought was a weird comparison because you go to Starbucks for for coffee, for a snack, um, and unless Apple starts selling food, I have a hard time understanding why people are willing to go spend thirty minutes to an hour there, unless the the teaching is what draws people in, right? And that there's going to be this constant teaching happening. I think that that has potential to do it, but we'll see. Um, but anyway, Apple's experimenting now. Amazon obviously is continuing to experiment in retail. It's interesting because they've been at it now for at least five years, and they still haven't figured out something new and big. Um, you know, Amazon bookstores are kind of slowly popping up in different places, but they don't seem to be doing all that much better than Barnes & Noble. Um, uh, obviously Amazon had that, had that highly publicized test in grocery to create the lowest friction grocery experience you can get where you don't even have to go to checkout. You just stick things in your basket, put it or into your bag and you walk out the door and in the process of walking out the door, the technology built into the store knows what you're taking with you and, and then your Amazon account gets charged accordingly. Um, you know, th there's a lot of new stuff out there that still has to be tested and tried in retail. I think to summarize, you're going to see a lot of really expensive froth, like a lot of ideas that are that that are aren't fully baked, not well thought out, and not in the end doing all that many new jobs for customers. If you take this jobs to be done perspective, and and I think is is we're serving the landscape of all these new experience uh, experiments in retail. The, I think. The way you know any of them are going to hang around is if they can scale, right? It, whatever idea is being tested, it's got to be able to scale. It's got to be the sort of thing that's done, you know, in in uh, in Des Moines, Iowa, just as much as New York City or San Francisco. And so that's, I think, what that's the thing to pay attention to is is are these ideas solving actual jobs that consumers want solved, and are these solutions happening in a way that can actually scale? Great. Well, well done, Aaron. That was a great summary of kind of where things are right now. Um, I think we've referred to several articles and other things that we'll link to in the show notes and on the website. So uh, if you're interested in those, we'll, we'll link to them there and you can you can find them there. We have been including um, raw URLs in the show notes, which as far as I can tell, in looking at my own Overcast app, for example, 
they do seem to be clickable. So hopefully that's helping those of you that, that do um, look through those and click on some of those. Um, but we'll include those links there as usual. And again, we will be back on Friday with our News Roundup episode. So uh, if you have any particular news items from the week you'd like us to cover, then uh, let us know either by, if you're a Tech Narrative subscriber, you can actually just like individual posts and that will count as a vote for that post. But uh, you can also just ping us on Twitter or via email or whatever and uh, and we'll uh, aggregate that feedback and, and take that into account as we're sort of drawing up the roster for Friday's News Roundup. So uh, thanks for being with us. Appreciate your time as always and your feedback. And we'll be with you again on Friday. Bye-bye.